Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Caliban, and thank God that Star Trek Discovery is taking a break on CBS All Access. I have a lot of Nash Bridges to get through. I'm joined on the show as usual by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Rift Network, which is at chronicrift.com. Welcome, Ella. Ella, it's finally available, your Alien episode. It's finally come out. It's good. Your Alien podcast uh, is great. It's on uh, Chronic Rift, as we said. Uh, And you guys uh, talk about the original Alien. Uh, Do you think it stands up to today's standards of horror or sci-fi horror? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no David, though. I, I, I do love Walter more than anything in the world. <laughs> or but, <Walter>. um, <laughs> I, I, can never tell I think apart. that Alien and Aliens especially both stand up way more than a lot of other movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also joining me on the show, he's a comedy writer, he's an actor, he's a podcaster, he's a stand-up, he's also an author. His book with Jimmy Hass called Toys for Cheap is available now. He's written and performed for The Nerdist, National Lampoon, Screen Junkies, and Crack.com. It's the man, the myth... The legend, Asterios Kokonos. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's going on? How you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing good. Thanks for joining us. I always want to know, and I always ask, how did you come to Star Trek? When did you first become a fan of Trek? It was just on TV. Sure. Like that, like that was, <laughs> that was how, that was, it was kind of like when I was a kid, I don't know. Well, okay, so, so I guess what's up is, You've heard of Star Trek before, you've seen it, and you know it's, like, nerdy and dorky. Yeah. And when I'm a kid, that's not, like, cool. <laughs> when I'm a kid, it's not like, oh, yeah, d- dorks rule and get nerd power. It's like, you shouldn't. Like, I remember when I brought in a bunch of Star Trek books to donate to my school library, my whole class laughed at me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I still remember the moment where I was like, oh, this was a really big mistake. So I brought in like, I brought in like fifteen Star Trek: The Next Generation episode novelizations, right, right, to donate to my school library because we got like five points of extra credit per book we donated, and I was like, well, I read quite a few of these, and these are the ones I'm willing to Thank part you. with. These, this isn't even my whole collection. These is this is the these are but dribblings from the the gleam and glorious collection I have at home, and. Right. uh and then, you know, so so I was like, oh, it's not it's not cool. But it's but the thing is, it's Saturday. It's three o'clock. What are you going to do? Right. Like, what else are you going to do? Go outside? Like, no. <laughs> I like that. Point. So you watch Star Trek. Yeah. I like your point about how you don't really even have a choice. I mean, it's just kind of that what was uh, it was on then. And so you watch it because, you know, it attracts you because you're a kid. I- I'm trying to think of like what the. um like the bad boys of sci-fi might have been back then. Like, uh, oh, no, I'm, I don't like that. I like Dune or, or uh, Starship Troopers or something like that. Because I know I'm the same way. I just watched it because, oh, it was there. Sure. Well, I mean, I also watched Babylon 5. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, that's sort of like the – no, that's worse. Star Trek fans look down on yeah, – Or Farscape, that's yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. No, but you're not cool for watching that. <laughs> uh, I tried to watch – you know what? At least I'm not like those filthy Stargate fans with their <laughs> dumb Stargate. Yeah, I'll, the I'll views give of those Stereos swirlies. do not represent the views of this program. 
<laughs> I tried to look. I tried to get it to Stargate. It's just like I, I can't. I'm, there's just I so much of it. Sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of it, but I mean, look. That's you know, look. There's 52 years of Doctor Who. Although I'm <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not going to get into that either. To be honest, it's, uh, I have a lot, I have a lot of conflicting opinions. Yeah, I can tell. Have you been enjoying Discovery so far? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Episodes three through nine are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They really. I've. Are. N- I don't think I've ever seen a worse, either a worse pilot on its own, and then also a worse representation for what the show is going to be. Yeah. A worse. The... A worse Star Trek pilot or a worse pilot for like any TV show ever. No. A, a... A, a pile for any TV show ever because you're like, well, I don't like this lead character. She just choked out Michelle Yeoh. Like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not cool. She choked out Michelle Yeoh because a hologram of someone who's not her dad told her to. Yeah, right. And then, <laughs> and then she like, it, it was, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not great. The, the pilot to Discovery is real bad. But then episode three, she's on that prison ship and. There's a creepy captain, and everyone's going to black alert, and there's spores eating the ship, and it's all it gets, it gets real good, real fast. Yeah, real good. Yeah, I like what you said. I mean, we talked about that earlier on the show when we talked about the pilot about how it doesn't seem very representational of the show at large, and this episode more than any other episode, I think, is so tied into um, the ongoing narrative. Do, do you ever see a point where Discovery can break off and just become episodic, or is it just forever going to be tied to this kind of ongoing story? Oh, we don't need it. Who needs an episodic show? We've got so <laughs> many. We've got so many different series where it's like, ah, we ran into this alien, and they and they taught us that like maybe being human means being a robot. Yeah, like, right. ah, something to think about. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> like, ah, look, 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 we got episodic. Look, Doctor Who's episodic. We got episodic. That's I want to see. I want to see the. the, the a ship run by a madman that's leaping through dimensions. That's what I want. <laughs> I think you're going to get it. They're never going to go to the uh, planet of the naked volleyballers or whatever. You mean Ryza? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe they're, maybe to Ryza. Yeah, I think that, I think that isn't that where they play naked volleyball, Ryza, the pleasure planet. There's the one too where <laughs> where uh, Wesley falls into the gardening thing, and then they're going to put. Oh him no, down. no. Yeah, they're no, like that's different. Time to die. <laughs> Well, look, don't step on the flowers. It's right there. Yeah, it's right <laughs> It's right there. No, I'm sorry. That's not right. That's a different planet. What's your favorite of the Trek series? Um, I, I mean, I got to go with Deep Space Nine because I there are there are so many episodes of Deep Space Nine that like I still think about to this day uh, that, you know, the episode where they bamboozle. Romulan uh, Ambassador Vreenak and right. coming over, and then they murder him. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and use his murder to get the Romulans involved in the war. And that's sure. cool. Yeah, episode where Lorca uh, approved. I think. Yeah, that's it. I love it. And then, of course, obviously, Lorca is just like, well, that guy is Section Thirty-One. Yeah, he's a maniac. Oh and, yeah, the, oh, and yeah. like, and like you know, because black com badges. Uh, willingness to bend the rules around eugenics because <laughs> yeah. um, if you think about it you know section 31 they're like hey we like you dr bashir you you got a real messed up brain and it's like ah, oh, <laughs> uh, the same thing with discovery like they're like ah we messed up this guy's brain and but it's effective <laughs> yeah uh, that, you know section 31 and then you know obviously the episode where they all play baseball against that evil romulan captain <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> do you remember that episode? Yeah, I do. Real good. Take me out of the ballgame. Like, eh, Deep Space Nine. There's so much good Deep Space Nine. So I got to give it a DS9. Okay. Okay. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Well, we've uh, seen the mid-season finale tonight of Star Trek Discovery. I'm sure, as you guys know, the show is coming back on January 7th, and this show will be back then, too. I'm curious for your opinions, uh, both of you. What do you think was behind the decision to bring the show back relatively fast, or for even it to take a break in the first place? I wouldn't say that it's fast. (laughs) Well, Well. it's only like uh, one and two-thirds or maybe a half uh, months as far as uh, your describer, or excuse me, your CBS All Access uh, subscription goes. I've seen a lot of people saying, ah, it's... Only six, seven weeks. Uh, I'll keep it around until January. Then I'll cancel in March. I assume that the reason they're... Do- okay, look. It's all in the can. This whole thing's in the can. At this this point, whole yeah. thing is in the can and it's edited. And if you don't think that's the case, then you're stupid. <laughs> the, the reason they're doing this is because they're counting on us not canceling our subscriptions so they can make an extra month of revenue off of us without <gasps> giving us content. Sure, right, yeah. It's exactly I, what Captain Lorca would do. Yes, it's a, it's a calculated <laughs> choice. I agree. Consequences be damned. Uh, well, we've just watched the episode, episode nine of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Into the Forest I Go. We're here to break it down for you. As always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, so be warned. And the official synopsis for this week is bypassing Starfleet's orders. Lorca uses the USS Discovery's crew's ultimate asset, the ship itself, in an effort to end the war with the Klingons once and for all. And the show opens with Lorca making a decision to countermand his own orders, which I feel is always fun on the original series and on Next Generation to violate your orders, you know, damn our orders. But here it's um, it's a little dangerous. It doesn't feel so fun after knowing what we do about the history of some of the characters and definitely the trouble that Michael Burnham's got herself into. It feels a little different. Um, so they... Is- uh, Oh, Is ahead. your other co-host here? Hello? <laughs> Ella, you there? <laughs> She's thinking. I'm, I'm just, I'm shy. <laughs> She's absorbing. Oh, no, that's okay. All right, well, then I'll jump in. I'm, I'm listening talk. very intently and thinking, getting ready <laughs> oh. to say something eventually. <laughs> Look, it's totally cool. Look, I'm not going to tell. I just wanted to make sure that the Skype connection didn't drop off because I, 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 I got terrible service. But anyway, yeah, you know what? How many times has this guy defied orders this season? No is this kidding. like the second or third? That well, that Starfleet even knows about, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm tr- because I feel like they sh- what they should have done is they should have saved it for this. Okay. Like, um, you know, they do. Okay, let's think about this. They defy orders to go like save Sarek. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, you know what? They shouldn't have done the Defy Order. Like, it's like, you got one of those a season. Yeah, right. Um, also, his kind of, um, oh, sure, yeah, okay, that's fine, you know, to somebody saying something that he doesn't like, and then he goes off and does something else about it. Like, they kind of hit that a couple times, too. Like, he doesn't go and rescue the Admiral in that one episode. And then it, this episode, as soon as Stamets is like, yeah, I'm good, I'm not going to jump anymore. And Jason Isaacs has got that grin. He's like, okay, that's fine. You know that that's not, no, no, you're going to do what I say. Mm. And I, will, I will throw you into another universe if I have to. Yeah, I like, was spooked by his attitude with Stamets for sure. Like, <laughs> he was just like, well, he's all he's been intense since like since like day one. But just the way he was like, well, keep him alive until it's over. Like, <laughs> right, right. 
like to his husband or I, I don't know if they're married to his partner like that's a lot yeah and he's got like we, we see with uh, admiral cornwall she's like a psychologist or has you know training in uh, counseling and she's trying to tell him that there's things wrong with him but it's just it's just clear that he's completely sociopathic at this point and, i mean a fun way in a fun way i love jason isaacs but he, he'll totally tell you whatever you want to hear and just kind of smile and you know as soon as your back is turned he's just going to go off and do what he wants anyway See that the interesting thing is that he's sociopathic, but in a way that gets results. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. So you don't know how to feel about the guy. Yeah, <laughs> where it's where it's kind of like you know what, this guy, like this guy, he's dangling Stamets's love of exploration in front of him. Like you know, he just he was saving that map like for the right. Oh, he's moment. had that in his pocket. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Where where he's just like, uh, we may have opened, a, we may have a way to travel dimensions, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I really need to convince you of something. Um, but the, I mean, the thing is, what I expected to happen in the episode where the admiral was kidnapped, I expected that Lorca was gonna have like tipped off the Klingons and been like. Hey, grab this girl. Okay. She's uh she's threatening my command. Get rid of her. Sure. You know, sure. it's like they didn't they didn't go like they keep playing with Lorca's sociopathy where it's like he's a manipulator. Yeah. But like he does want the war over. But does he want the war over for his own personal glory or because people died because he killed his whole crew. So he like Yeah. You know, it's they. I love how they're dancing on that line with Lorca. It, it, I mean, even today we don't know. Right? Like, did Lorca take them into that? Because the episode ends on a cliffhanger, you know, and it's like, did Lorca take them there on purpose? We this guy. We don't know what this guy. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know if it seems like yeah, like you said, that they're reluctant to really pull the trigger on him being full villain, but it might turn out that he had some reason you know i mean it might have been self-serving or selfish but there might be some reason that he needs them to go there or whatever because otherwise it just seems random that he's like how does it serve him to go oh you think you're gonna be done with this you're not done with this and then hits you know some combination on his keypad so there might be some reason for this one thing that i really enjoyed is that this is the first time in a long time that i can think of that i've been watching a good old Star Trek cliffhanger, you know, in the form of like a best of both worlds or a descent or something. Now, we don't have a whole summer to wait like we used to, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen uh, when they come back. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And it's and it's also it's also very exciting the way that they're playing with like, you know, it's it's you know old flavors in new ways i mean yeah you know again just to jump to the ending they're lost in space now which is the entire premise of voyager right (laughs) so it's kind of cool how at the end of it it's like nah is this show going to become voyager now Hmm? is it going to be like quantum leap you don't know what this show you'd be better pay your seven dollars a month (laughs) commercials (laughs) to find out i wouldn't be mad if it was like interdimensional voyager honestly (laughs) (laughs) that's like sliders Yes. Oh, speaking of shows that aren't as cool as Star Trek. Yes. Sliders. Especially in the later seasons when what do they have? The daggers? What are they called? Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Come on. <laughs> Eventually on Sliders they the Makos. Eventually some group of aliens is colonizing other dimensions. Right, right. 
And so, like, they're not just sliding to get home. They're, like, sliding to stop an evil race of alien militant sliders. Right. Well, it's just like in Quantum Leap where they had the evil leaper. But, see, there was only one evil leaper. Oh, it's a pretty <laughs> very attractive lady, too. But right. uh, but it's like there's a whole race of evil leapers. And sly, they really raise the stakes on a show that is bad. <laughs> Uh, in this episode, they're trying to break the Klingon's cloak, which, you know, I like the cloaking device, but I think I feel like it's the gift that keeps on punching you in the face because tactically, you know, just in the world of the show, it's clearly a big advantage. But they're always finding some way to overcome this thing. And it seems like in every iteration of Trek, they've had some they look for the exhaust or they just look out the window. You can see the predator effect. Um, so That's it's true. It's a little disappointing that they go back to that one more time, but when they do it, they go all the way. They have to do 133 jumps or whatever it is to, to triangulate the position. So they're certainly not um, skimping as far as the effort in trying to break this cloak. And it's so cool. Once they do, they let the ship have it. They blow the ship of the dead completely away, which I thought was really awesome. And it was a weird moment because usually you would get, um, like in a Star Trek movie, you get that fire and they blow up the Klingon ship and it's really exciting. But this is played for a lot of different emotions. Like it all takes place in slow motion and some of the characters are kind of looking at each other and realizing things about themselves and realizing things about each other. All the while this gigantic explosion is on the view screen in front of them. I I thought it was so, so cool. Like um, the way that they used the jump drive to attack the ship from every angle all at once. Something like something that I think Discovery is going to get a lot of credit for is finally using teleportation the way that like nerds have always dreamed of doing it. Sure. Like because there's always like some kind of weird MacGuffin reason that you can't like hyperspace jump twice. Yeah, right. and it's like with this one, it's like no. If you really like push a guy, if, you if you've got a spores, map, yeah, right, like, he'll jump 133 <laughs> times and like shoot a missile each time. Right. Um. I thought that was neat. Uh. Didn't they? Didn't they like trans? Didn't they like use their? Tra- oh, right. They transported a guy out into the middle of space. Like that's something we've always wanted to see in Star Trek. Just like them use the transporter tactically, like right. literally as a weapon, yeah. and not just as a conveyance. Uh. They teleported a photon torpedo onto a ship, and yeah. it's like, well, yeah, that's what you should do. If you have – you can teleport things. You should be teleporting bombs, like, straight into warp cores. Like, right. all the stuff we – all the stuff that, like, regular nerds have thought of. They're, like, finally, like, ah, <laughs> oh, we'll use that stuff. It it, it, don't, it totally feels like that. Like, um, I mean, a lot of the people in the writer's room, you know, have storied careers in Trek or in sci-fi writing, but it does feel like a lot of Trek nerds going. Well, you know, what have we, what have we always wanted to see? Like, what do we want to get in there? You know, what hasn't happened yet? I think also, though, like, part of that might be just, like, Lorca's character. Because as cool as it is to, like, transport, up like, a bomb onto another ship, I don't think it's something, like, Kirk would do necessarily. Just because I feel like he's a little bit more honorable oh, than Lorca. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But still very cool, nonetheless. Definitely, like, peak weaponized uh, spore drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in the episode, we get the chance to see uh, Michael Burnham return, of course, to the Ship of the Dead and also get her chance 
to, well, I guess Starfleet wouldn't say revenge. Let's just say uh, balance the equation in terms of uh, bringing justice to the people who she feels uh, were responsible for her captain's death. And so we get a, uh, a nice Klingon fight uh, with pruning shears or something. <laughs> They've got these like space pruning shear type <laughs> weapons. They're attacking each other. With. I know. Where were the Batlas? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I thought that was a little uh, strange admission, but it's still pretty cool. Um, I always think it's uh, somebody else was talking about this. So I apologize if I'm ripping off uh, some other podcast or something that I like, but it just seems like uh, small, you know, Michael Burnham, very resourceful, very well you know, in shape versus seven foot tall Klingon. These humans always seem to hold their own against these like monstrous you know, beings, whereas on the original series, you know, some guy with a horn on his head or something like that in a monkey, <laughs> monkey gorilla costume would be like, oh, no, we run away from that guy. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see her get some good licks in, but I'm not sure. I mean, she definitely wasn't winning the fight by the time she got beamed out, but she lasted quite a while. And she well, has her, she has the Vulcan martial arts behind her too, though. That's true. That's the thing. She's got, she's got the Vulcan foo. A's <laughs> got that. And then B, they do the thing where like, it's like, oh, he's playing with her. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And she, and it's like, you know, I just, I, I thought that was thought that was very very well done the way they because the thing is look if she had won i would have been like well this strains credulity yeah you know what i mean <laughs> but uh but like they they gave us like enough heroism and she's only doing it to buy time which is like another cool thing she's doing right it is like, sacrificial yeah right yeah and then like right before she leaves she gets uh the captain's uh com badge oh who by the way they like ate yeah, like yeah, that's we, like they. I wish they. It's like I didn't need to know that. Yeah. Like they ate <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> uh, not, not, not great. Uh, and there's a part to. Um, yeah, she gets the the combat, which I thought was great. <clears throat> I, I realized. Um, so they're on the the ship. They have to put these things in there so Discovery can scan the signals. They're very. Um, I know they don't have to be there for long, I guess, but they're very conspicuous. They have like a huge Starfleet insignia on top of them. It's like. <laughs> Put, put a tarp over him or something, you know what I mean? Stick it under a bed or something. But they go in there, and then uh, Tyler has, like, his freak out, um, his sort of PS, uh, PTSD thing. And then suddenly we realize that it's like, Michael's all alone, and she's got to go to the bridge of the Klingon ship. And it's like, uh-oh, the last time we had that, it wasn't that great. But I like the fact that she gets to kind of complete her arc. And this time, you know, going against orders and going off on her own is the right choice. Whereas that's kind of what got her in trouble before. Like, she finds the right situation to be herself in. She's yeah, kinda... she was amazing during that scene. I was so in awe of Sonequa and just, like, Michael's character in general during this episode, especially when she was, like, fighting on the bridge. She was just seemed so, like, deadly. Do you think that she's really... I mean, she has totally um, turned around. That was going to be my question. But do you think that she's going to go forward like this? You know, more human, more emotional... Um, she seems to have a connection with Tyler and she can take orders now. You think that she's going to keep keep going in this vein? I'm hoping that um, she like finds a balance yeah. between like what she learned from Sarek and what she learned from Giorgio. And I have said this, I think, like multiple times before about how I don't like how everyone's like pushing her away from like her Vulcan, quote, heritage, unquote. Sure. Um. And I think it's really nice to see her in these episodes where she's very, like, she's negotiating with the Klingons and she's very, like, straight-faced and Vulcan. And then, but she also, 
really easily recognizes that Tyler like needs to talk to her. Yeah. Um, that's a big, and that's so a big I think that's really sweet her, too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Asterius, what about you? Do you like the character of Michael Burnham? Um, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, I don't know. I like, here's what I like. I like the actress. Yeah. yeah. I like, I forget her last name. What is it? Sink what? Uh, Martin Green. So, yeah. yeah, I like look, I like Sidney Martin Green. I thought she was fantastic in this episode. Yeah. Like when it comes to like what is the character of Michael Burnham? I don't it's like I don't know if you could summarize what it is in line. Like all right, Commander Riker, you know, uh ex- <laughs> ex- romantic explorer, you know, like romantic explorer, data, like you know, Logical, but is always striving to be human. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, Captain Picard, like a representative of of like of like what it means to be a true diplomat. Like with with uh, Michael Burnham, it's like what's like what's the one line you give me for her character? I, you know, or, or like you know, with Starbuck, it's just like brash, bold, prone to action. Sure. Um, I don't. I don't know what the one line that you give me with her character is, but I also. But it doesn't matter because it's like that actress is doing a good job, and she's really good in these episodes. So, so uh, I don't know. It's a, it's, I know that's a muddled answer. Uh, you know, it's acceptable, and I think the fact that, like you said, I mean, we're just going to keep going on with this story and the storyline forever. I think we'll get there. I think it's kind of the opposite of the episodic shows we've had before where you have to know the three or four lines on the um on commander riker's uh dossier because when another writer comes in and writes about the planet of the naked volleyballers or whatever we got to know how he reacts to it but hopefully everybody's getting to sort of build character um as they go i like how um i, I really like that scene uh with tyler and um burnham at the end uh which is a very emotional scene it's a more emotion i think than we've had up to this point and he tells her about his uh, his Vulcan or sorry, his uh, Klingon ex-girlfriend, <laughs> although she she kind of um, brings it up in a weird way. She's like, you know, who who is that person to you? You know, it's kind of like, you know, who's who's your Klingon girlfriend? Yeah, that that was really weird. I That scene played out very, like, strange it, to me. Yeah, well, it could have gone in a really weird direction, but I think it instead went in a real sort of touching direction. Well, I, I thought... also I just um. Just one thing is that I feel like it's kind of like I don't really like how they're leaning into like um like I don't really want her to like save him from his PTSD. You know what I mean? Like I don't want yeah their relationship to be like the factor that makes him like feel okay again if that makes sense. Like Love's getting I don't want her him. to be like a manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> sure. A serious See, Go ahead. I thought that was interesting where, where he's like, well, now I found peace with you because it's like, well, that's not good. Yeah, because it's because it's like, well, if you're if like your way of dealing with the the horrible trauma that one person caused you is to like run into someone else's arm. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not. OK, I, wow. I'm glad I, we're on the same page. <laughs> I see. I thought that was interesting because it's because I because I hear that line and I'm like, well, that's very unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, as we see, you know, later 
It's like, oh, yep, this guy's not better at all. And like, like he's the you know Manchurian Klingon candidate, or like, right. like whatever's going to end up happening with this dude, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, well, that leads into our weekly uh, part where we talk about our. I was going to say, talk. yeah, I was, I was <laughs> it's waiting time for to this put one. the tinfoil hats on. Yep, put them on, pull them on. So, Asterios, you you know the the theory about Shazad Latif's character, right? Yeah, um, I, I know one of them th- that he's like a Klingon that has been mutilated <laughs> to look like a human. Right. And we see. Spe- I mean. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no. You tell me. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, we see scenes in this that I think are presented. Um, you know, something is happening to him, but I think they're presented in enough of a obscure kind of a way that you could interpret them as the very painful surgery it would take to look like a human. And don't get me wrong. I don't believe in this or disbelieve in it. I'm just, I'm a reporter. (laughs) I'm reporting the facts here, but I think it's, it's, it's curious how they keep, they keep seeming to kind of swerve towards and then away. And I'm not sure if they're just building, like if this was an old school show, they'd be just building up uh, evidence for the future if when this is revealed but since everybody is so smart uh, as a viewer and there's the internet now now i feel like they're almost teasing the audience like last week we had saru go you're not what you seem to be but it it was referring to the fact that his intentions about keeping saru occupied uh, you know that's what he was referring to or now he sees the rel and he's it's oh it's ptsd over his experiences or is it some reaction to this conditioning? Like, I like how ambiguous it is, but man, they, they love to just keep hitting that button. Well, the interesting thing that I think they did that gave credence to the theory is they put those life sign masking yeah. devices. Those like little Tony Stark cores. Yeah, right. right. On, and it was like, this will make everyone think you're a Klingon. And I was like, well, I bet <laughs> what happens is that thing gets shot and it turns out that he doesn't need it. Right. Because he because his life signs are Klingon. Yeah. And it's like, th- th- I mean, there's there's evidence of, you know, I mean, in the trouble, the trouble with tribbles. Right. They use tribbles to determine that these humans are really secretly Klingons that have been like, you know, uh, genetically engineered or plastic <laughs> surgery or whatever. So, like, right. there's a lot of evidence for it in the canon. Um I don't know. It's 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 an inter- it's interesting that we get to keep guessing that every week. I, I'm glad that it's ambiguous. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's almost like an ARG game. Like it is, it is kind of fun to keep guessing about whether it's true or not. I'm I'm mostly just frustrated. <laughs> or or it's really I'm frustrating. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be like so mad if like it's true. Honestly, like I don't want it. Like I need like a Klingon. Tyler to get like very far away from me if that's going to be the case. <laughs> They're really leaning into it too, especially with him getting so close to Burnham. Um, although oh my God. we got a we got another first this week. We got Klingon boobs this week. <laughs> that's something I never thought I'd get to say. I mean, they had the they had the like holes in their armor before in the uh, like in the other seasons they had like windows sure no i mean i know they're mammals but i mean you know we, we saw a lot more than than we've usually seen yeah it was uh just as uncomfortable as you would expect i think it was right a, well it was a weird choice too because we're supposed to think that this is you know it's presented as an encounter that is not fully consensual yeah. uh, on one side and yeah. i'm not saying it looked super sexy but it was shot you know, in the sort of visual vocabulary of a kind of, you know, sex scene 
on uh, mm-hmm. you know late night TV or whatever. So I just thought that was a kind of a weird choice. Yeah. Something uh, – I'm, I'm guessing that we're going to move on to, to the – I just want – one last thing about this is, you know, um, there haven't been a lot of popular representations of male, like, abuse yes. okay. yeah. in, in the media. And so I think that this is kind of like – you know, it's – you know, Star Trek is always pushing the boundaries and this is another way that they're pushing them. And it's really cool. And I think it's something that people should really be paying attention to because, you know, like we've seen a million storylines where it's like, oh, Counselor Troy was mentally sexually abused. <laughs> right. <Like> that happened <laughs> four times. Yeah. And and it's like, well, this is kind of the first time, I, you know, in a major network show that that we're seeing that, this from a male perspective. And so it's just interesting and it's and it's worth noting. Yeah. Yeah, it makes him super sympathetic as well. Again, like I said, like I don't really know or care if it's true or not. It's fun to speculate, but I do find myself really cheering for Tyler as a character. So, if they do pull that rug out, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. But right now, I you know I am rooting for the character. Me too. Those moments where he actually confronts her um, are so moving. Even when he like this episode, the first time he saw her, he didn't. Like, I mean, obviously he reacted, but he didn't really do anything as drastic as like when they escaped from the prison ship in the first place. But it's still just like so like intense. Yeah. Well, uh, let's time. Let's uh, it's time to check out our threat ganglia. Uh, Who do you guys think is going to that big holodeck in the sky in future episodes? Who is slated for death soon? I think last week you had, Ella, you had Stamets on the board, and you got pretty close yeah, this week. Yeah, I really, when this episode started, in like in like the middle of this episode, I was pretty much convinced he was going to die. Oh, yeah. And I was, like, bitter. Yeah, when he was walking away or with Lorca, I thought, oh, he's just going to explode and, like, coat the insides yeah, of that chamber. like, I thought he was gone for sure. And when they they kept having, he and, um, is it Colbert's? Colbert? Colbert, yeah. Um, they kept having like sweet goodbyes, and I was like, yep. "Don't do this to me, yeah, <laughs> please. We'll go, we'll Let gay couple live." Like, we'll go see Labo we M. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But I think at, I'm a. I feel a little bit better just because I feel like he obviously has a lot more plot to get through at least yeah, before please. they kill him if they do. So, like, I have no idea. I he, think he's. He's in the most danger, probably, honestly. Yeah, Either okay. him or Tyler. What about I you? think that okay. the I mean the character to kill is the doctor. Yeah. Because he's oh, just like right. so perfect and like he's like nice, he's awesome, he yeah. cares, <laughs> he's loving. And and you know, it's just like and the the engineer, Stamets, is the most interesting character, and he's already mm-hmm. kind of like losing his mind. Um it's very important for him to like have a functional mind in order to operate the ship. So the way to kind of, unfortunately, like the way to level up his character is to kill his love interests. Yeah. That's a, that's a common trope. I think in this kind of, it would be late. It would be lazy as hell. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying I would, I'm not saying I want it to happen, but like out of all the, out of all the characters on the board right now, like the one with the least amount of, of development left is the doctor. Yeah. Is um, him and uh, robot girl on the bridge. I haven't seen a lot from her. Um, 
Uh, do you guys think that they are? So where are they at the end of the show here? Are they in the mirror universe? You know, are they in like an alternate alternate universe? I know that it's already slipped that the mirror universe is supposed to feature at some point uh, on the show. I'm like a little hesitant to believe that they would have the mirror universe play like a really big role in the plot of the show just because I feel like they're trying to be so like new and different. Um, So I was kind of feeling like they were in like some weird like spore dimension. Like we've seen before um, like with mirror Stamets like walking away and then when the ship does that creepy thing where it like doubles, I think it's something weird with the spores where it's like there's two, like it's the upside down. (laughs) (laughs) It's the upside down, right. Yeah. What about you, Asterios? I think that they are in the mirror universe. I think that they're at the exact coordinates of Starbase 46, but uh-huh. in a mirror universe where, like, the Federation and the humans are being attacked by, like, a third species like the Borg or the Breen oh, okay. um, or the Romulans or something. I think that they're... Because it's like, don't, don't bring up alternate dimensions at the beginning of the episode. It's like Chekhov's alternate dimension gun it's like <laughs> like you don't bring up like parallel universes if we're not going to end up in one right and um and you know i i but i don't know what i don't know where they go from here i mean the interesting thing is that they're going to very clearly have an internal threat from the evil klingon mind manipulator as right. well as an external threat how do they get home so you know I think that we're probably going to end up with one of those like diehard in space episodes okay. where the ships <laughs> are locked down and they, sure. and what's his name the, the the security guys he's been brainwashed and blah 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 I, you know <laughs> that sounds good I I think that's what's going to happen I think that's what's next because I, and honestly it's because those episodes are cheap yeah for sure something something that I was thinking is oh they spent a lot of money on CG in this episode. And then when I saw the the you know previews, it's like okay, well, having an episode where there's a Klingon lost on the ship and all the lights are out and they've all got to hunt down this Klingon and the Klingon has secretly turned the security guy, like that'll save you some money. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like stressed out listening to you describe it. <laughs> I'm not letting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um, the graphics and the uh, CGI in this episode were great. And Esther, as you mentioned before, the ship kind of jumping around and it was awesome. It's like they've got their own cheat code now so they can just flip around and and destroy the boss really easily. And then, of course, uh, in the upcoming episode, it looks tense. But, yeah, it looks like it is. You know, little um, white contacts over Anthony Rapp's eyes are probably a lot cheaper than uh, space battle CGI. So you'll probably Mm -hmm. be saving money Mm -hmm. like that. Yep, exactly. Take take him out of the you take him out of the equation for an episode. They're lost in space. That you know, it's it's like you save some money that way. Yeah, and it's something you always have to do. Well, as we wrap up here, I'd like to ask you guys where you think that the story is heading when it comes back next year. Uh, they go off. They're in another dimension, or they're somewhere else. They have a episode or two of a Voyager type thing where they're trying to get back. And then what happens after that? I'm worried that. Um, they kill Stamets getting back. Yeah. Or there's two Stamets and one is like creepy. Or like a mirror one? Or or like a time jump? Yeah, one. like the Shining. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's just like they're both standing there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to see the tardigrade come back. They just let that guy Me go. That's, that's it, huh? <gasps> that's how they get out of that universe. <laughs> a tardigrade with a goatee shows up? <laughs> no, no, no. Their their tardigrade comes and saves them. Oh, okay. To to pay back Michael Burnham for oh, setting oh. the tardigrade free. And sure. the tardigrade's like, I owed you one. Right. Like, wow, I, I would cry. You've heard it here first. <laughs> That's, That's what's going to happen because that because that tardigrade exists in like a four dimensional snowflake. Sure, it's not theoretical. Blah blah bling, blah yeah. blue. And they all meet in the center of the woods or whatever it was that Stamets said. Oh yes, yes, exactly. Right. So he's going to the uh, the water bear picnic. So uh, anyway, I guess on that, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> that's it for our show. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals, our main show, and Discoverage are released. You can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the Internet there, why not head to your listening platform of choice? And subscribe to the show and give us a rating and a review if you think of it, because it really helps us out. And stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com, E-I-S-T pod. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Join us January 7th for the return of Star Trek Discovery. We'll be talking about the 10th episode of Discovery, Despite Yourself, which is how I usually get the shows done, despite myself. Ella, <laughs> thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, where can people find you online, Ella? Uh, you can find me at generationsgeek.com and you can download our podcast um, on iTunes through the Chronic Rift. Um, like we talked about, we just released our Alien podcast. So coming up will be Aliens pretty soon. And um, we have recorded a Thor Ragnarok podcast, but <laughs> it was a lot longer than our normal podcast. So we'll see when it comes out, but it's in the works. <laughs> okay, people check that out. And Asterios, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me at twitter.com slash Asterios. Um, or you can listen to my podcast, Science Friction, which is a sci-fi comedy game show where comedians earn points if their opinions match my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh, you can, huh? It's kind of like apples to Asterios. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I'm always right. And you can uh, and you can hear that show if you go to sciencefriction.fun. That's sciencefriction.fun or find it on iTunes. Awesome. And do you have any uh, dates coming up you want to talk about? Uh, and, and honestly, I do, I, I'm not doing a ton of stand-up just because I do so much online now with yeah. podcasts and videos and live streams and things like that. Sure. But, um, but, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll always see what I'm up to. Sounds great. Well, thanks again for joining me, and thank you, thank you to the listeners for joining us, and we are signing off. This is Caliban for Asterios and Ella saying live long and prosper. 